Welcome to Practically Healthy by Dr. Melina. I'm your host, Dr. Melina Jampolis, and I'm a board-certified physician nutrition specialist. And I started this podcast to take the latest science and really help you figure out what you should do, can do, and eventually will do when it comes to food, fitness, and everything that's involved with helping you become the best version of yourself. Well, it's been a long time since I have done an in-person interview. I'm so excited to be here. And my guest today, this is an extra special one. This is one that everybody should listen to. I don't care what your health interests are. Dr. Uma Naito is a nutritional psychiatrist and a trained chef. You probably didn't know that a nutritional psychiatrist existed as a field, but it does. Um, And she's probably one of the few and also a trained chef is the author of a national and international best-selling book. Uh, This is Your Brain on Food and has a new book coming out uh, December 26th, which we're going to talk a lot about. But Dr. Uma, it's so nice to have you here. I'm so excited for this conversation because you have so much wisdom and I can't wait for our listeners to hear about it. Thanks so much, Melina. I've been waiting to be on your podcast and love what you do. So thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So Tell me a little bit about this is such a non-traditional path for a physician. And I know that since I did it too. What started your journey down the road of especially nutritional psychiatry? I mean, you're so ahead of the curve. It's extraordinary. Thank you. You know, I think when I think back, it started my childhood. I grew up in a very large South Asian family. And actually, I'm a preschool dropout. I didn't want to go to to preschool. I wanted to hang out with my grandparents. And somehow I got away with it. My parents let me do that. But part of it, it was so much fun. You know, I'd I'd prepare food with my grandmother, pick vegetables from the garden. They'd have lunch with me. And then my parents would pick me up. And, you know, for entertainment, they teach me yoga and meditation. So it was a kind of a cool upbringing when I think about it. And I feel very fortunate for that. But, you know, I learned simple nutritional principles from that. And I also had a lot of uncles and aunts that were either Ayurvedic practitioners, a couple, but also doctors. So there's also the blend of science in the home and that conversation. When it came to both medical school and then uh, residency, there was no discussion of what people were eating. We would check off a box in the computer about your weight or your height or that type of stuff, but no one was having the conversation. And to me, it felt like a real gap that I was learning or being taught all these heavy duty psychiatric medications, which people need. I'm not, I'm not against that. Save the lives of many of my patients, but not everyone needs that. And I felt that this was a gap. We were just not asking enough questions. And I started to explore that more. In addition, I had an interaction with a patient early on, and he, uh, as a young resident, he really kind of took me on a little bit and sort of said, well, you know, you caused me to gain weight. I knew that wasn't the case because of the data that I had in front of me. But he was drinking a very large, massive, in fact, cup of traditional Massachusetts Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And I said to him, well, you know, I understand you're upset. Let's talk about this. But tell me what you put in your coffee. It sort of occurred to me intuitively to ask that. And it was a quarter cup of ultra processed creamer and eight teaspoons of sugar. And even though I'm not a huge calorie counter, I calculated it for him. And I saw his eyes light up when he understood that he was consuming a ton of empty calories before he even ate his breakfast or started his day. 
And I, I felt him change in that moment. He wanted to do more and learn more. How could he do this or, or clean up his coffee and what else could he do? And that was really a big aha moment for me that just a simple thing that he could learn made him feel less upset, made him feel understood. And I decided that, that I was onto something and that more of my mental health patients really needed to hear this. And I started asking questions. Um, and, you know, along the way, I, I went to culinary school because Julia Child was my food hero. And I learned actually to cook later in life because at home, um, everyone cooked and, and there wasn't any need for me to cook. I could taste. So it, it really was a journey for me in almost a mindful space. And when I realized that it was easy to then say to someone, well, you, this is how you can make an easy salad or whatever it was, it felt like a meaningful fit. And I arrived at where I did. That's amazing. And I, I mean, it's, you know, I think, of course, I, I'm the same way. I, I was trained in traditional medicine. Yes. I believe in medications, but I believe they work synergistically and, and also holistically. So yes. even though I'm not claiming to cure somebody yes. of something with just food, you know, you really can make a difference or decrease the dose of the medications or the side effects and that sort of thing. So, so tell us a little bit about your first book for those who haven't read it. And then we're going to talk at length about the second one, which I'm so excited about because anxiety is a big issue in my family, mainly for me. <laughs> and it's, and it's a big issue in the world, but this is your brain on food was my first book. It, it really came out of the work in my clinic and, um, was a, is a way to understand mental health through the lens of nutritional psychiatry. So I walk people through, and, and all the studies are listed. I insisted that we listed every single study that I cited, because even though it's written for the everyday person, I wanted them to be able to look it up. And I found that many clinicians turned to it, which I feel really excited about, because they can also look up the research. But um, you understand the gut-brain connection, and then I walk you through the different mental health conditions, from depression and anxiety all the way to bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and even cover libido issues. Because a lot of psychiatric medications, you know, dim the libido and have great problems for people. So it's good to know that you have a few tools that can empower you as well. Um, and what I do at the end of the chapter, after walking you through the science, is list foods that you should embrace and the ones you should step back from. And um, at the end of the book, is it's how to set up your kitchen, which you would love, um, how to set up your kitchen, and you know how to do this, and then walks you through simple recipes, but the recipes match each condition. So for depression, I have a list of recipes, but they're meant to be interchangeable so that as you learn them, you can you can use them for different conditions, but you know that any one of them is going to help you. So you said at the beginning of that, let's start with the gut brain axis, because that's a topic that's very popular yes. right now. And I think you probably know more about it than most of us. So why did you start with that and what you just described as everything? That's a great question, Melina. You know, the nutritional psychiatry is like you have identified a nascent field. It's new and developing. We're not yet at the point of being prescriptive. If you ask me to prescribe fruit and vegetables for everyone, that's obvious. But the more details around mental health and nuances, we don't have enough robust evidence to be uh, prescriptive, but we have enough to offer really conscious guidelines about this. And clinically, I've seen these be helpful. The gut and brain 
is one of the ways to explain the food-mood connection. The gut and brain originate from the exact same cells in the human embryo. They divide apart to form the gut and the brain. They're connected by the vagus nerve, our 10th cranial nerve, which I like to call a two-way bidirectional text messaging system, which actually is trans, uh, transporting neurotransmitter messages to each organ. When we put that together with the fact that about 90 to 95% of serotonin receptors are in the gut, um, we realize that these trillions of microbes that live in the microbiome, the um, serotonin receptors, the food that's being digested, they're all in the same location. And we start to understand there's this interaction that goes on. So if we eat a healthy meal, the breakdown products are really good products, uh, byproducts for our digestive tract, for lowering inflammation. One of them is called short-chain fatty acids. And days, if, or if we've really started eating more of a fast food meal and more processed, ultra-processed foods, those breakdown products are more toxic and damaging to the single cell lining of the gut. So what happens if you're eating that type of diet is the toxic by- byproducts start to cause inflammation or dysbiosis and start to damage or pierce that lining and leads to conditions like leaky gut or intestinal permeability. But knowing that this is an ecosystem that the gut and brain are connected, when that starts to leak, you are going to, over time, develop neuroinflammation as well. And that is often when I see an uptick of, say, someone who's had anxiety well-controlled and we have to, of course, find the cause, but they have a sudden surge of symptoms. It's interesting, a couple of things that you said, because leaky gut is still not fully accepted by traditional medicine. And so how do you, well, maybe this is beyond the scope of the podcast for everybody, but so, I mean, is that something that you diagnose just by a history if somebody's eating poor foods? And the other thing that I was going to say, though, that I think is important and encouraging for people listening is that you can change your gut biosis, the bacteria in your gut very quickly, like in, in three days of cleaning up your eating. So it really is. And you you can do it. You can mess it up as well, but I mean, it it is, it's, it's it's reassuring to me at least, because I always like to be positive and I I want nutrition to be empowering and, and, and not overwhelming. So, um, but let's talk about the leaky gut first, because that's something that's thrown a lot around a lot. And I have a feeling if a lot of people went to talk to their doctors about it, they would be like, it doesn't exist. It's a made up term. And I've heard this so many times. Diagnostically, I often will take a full history. And clinically, it's really almost picking up symptoms that they've developed in mental health. Um, But, you know, people will, um, some people will say, well, you can check for inflammatory markers. You know, I they, there's an association to see between, say, an uptick of inflammatory markers and anxiety. Studies have shown that. But I feel like when we we don't in the hospitals have a way to, say, test the gut microbiome. Right. Um, a lot of those tests are actually done by private companies, and many people actually pay privately to do this. Right. Um, so I wish that we had a little bit more... Um, bandwidth in the hospitals to check that that were covered by insurance. Hopefully mm-hmm. we'll get to those points, but that would be the best way to look at what's going on in the gut and look at the actual microbes. And those tests, though, they look for dysbiosis. They don't necessarily detect leaky gut. That's a 
different or do, yes, does, does they, that exist as well? So they look for dysbiosis, inflammation. They look for an overgrowth of one bacterial species of another. Yeah. They can give you a pattern. They don't necessarily diagnose what we cons- what we call leaky gut, right. but they indicate that there's a real, real possibility. So I feel like maybe there'll be better testing for that. Yeah, I hope so. But I think that's the next frontier. I mean, people ask me a lot about what I feel about it as far as you know, probiotics being therapeutic. And there's a lot of strain specificity, like where different strains do different things. And we don't fully know what foods cause what changes that treat what condition. But I hope someday we do. I think that's going to be something that'll be interesting. There actually is a total, I digress a little bit, but there's some interesting research on specific probiotic strains for anxiety, yes. depression. Have those yes. come on your radar at all? What do you yes. think of that? So I am excited about that. How to further test them would be interesting. That's where it's possible that the microbiome kits and the testing that certain companies are doing may actually be helpful because there are a few of them, there are actually about six or eight that were uncovered, but two of them that I'll mention, one um, is lactobacillus, uh, lactobacillus um I'm forgetting the name. Um, but two of them, one is, one works through GABA and, mm-hmm. and navigates through GABA receptors, which we know is associated with anxiety. And another one just actually uh, relates to things like serotonin and dopamine. So they've identified actual species of lactobacilli that interact with these different components in the gut that actually are quelling anxiety. So I'm excited about that because I think it offers people the hope that if you are adapting your diet, if you're eating certain foods, um, if you are maybe adding fermented foods to your diet, that you're going to get you're going to get some benefit from it. And that's where you do see people often say, well, how how soon does someone see an effect? I've had people call me within that week and wow. start sleeping better. You know, really? Um, because, okay, I may have to try some of these strains. You know, sleep you know, is my nemesis. Sleep is problematic, but but. Um, when they're starting to make steady, sort of small and steady, healthful changes to how they're eating, like you mentioned, the gut microbes respond pretty fast. And sometimes they'll notice an improvement in, you know, lifting of brain fog. Um, I'm sleeping better on a couple of nights this week. They'll definitely notice changes. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, I usually say to people it's between one to three weeks that we notice some improvement and it's got to be most, you know, mostly consistent. Um, but at the same time, people feel good within a week sometimes. Feel I think better, it, starting to feel better. Well, and I think, you know, not, again, not to say that we're necessarily, certainly anybody with severe anxiety or depression needs medication, but mm-hmm. the complementary, I mean, yes. and, and if you could get away with lower doses that maybe yes. don't have the side effects that yes. some of these drugs, this is where I think it's exciting, where I think, you know, kind of traditional medicine and the type of medicine that you and I practice, yes. they, it needs to come together because there's synergy. It, the, it's, this, this, you're absolutely right. There's so much synergy. And I also feel like the, just like leaky gut is not accepted. The food is medicine movement is not as well accepted either. So, you know, I think certain lifestyle medicine doctors, um, I think younger doctors are really into the holistic approach and the lifestyle approach and, you know, nutrition, but most people ignore it. Right. And I think that we, we don't lean into it enough. And what we're looking for is to improve the overall physical and mental well-being of that individual. And mental is so under 
recognize. I mean, I do think it's, you know, and and we owe it a lot to some famous athletes, actually, that have been very open about their mental health. Yeah, I mean, and I I respect that a a tremendous amount. And I think it's really shed light Mm -hmm. on the importance of addressing that. I don't think physicians that most of, I mean, obviously that's your job, but okay. you know, um, it's, you know, especially with, you know, women, my age, perimenopausal women, Oh, you're tired. You're anxious. You're a little depressed. It's in yeah. yeah. They, it's, 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 it's the hormones, whatever. That's right. It's, a, it's almost a knee jerk reflex that yeah. women, especially in the perimenopausal menopausal phase, just get placed on antidepressant without any looking, um, without looking at any of the the hormone shifts, um, anything else, what might be going on in the gut? Could could eating or change in pattern help? You know, um, it's it's disappointing. It is disappointing. But so speaking of that, I mean, for me, I definitely had a significant increase in anxiety during yeah. this time. So that leads us yes. perfectly to your new book. So yes, tell it first of all, what's the title? And then let's Let's get into it. Thank you. So the title is Calm Your Mind with Food. It is a book that I wrote based on nutritional strategies to really calm our mind, to lower that angst, that worry, that anxiety. And it came out of my work, Melina, during the pandemic, because I feel like we know Zoloft went on shortage, which is certainly in a selective serotonin um, reuptake inhibitor, went on shortage in the first year of the pandemic because wow. there were so many new diagnoses and prescriptions for Zoloft and most commonly used to treat anxiety or depression or both. Um, and we know from data that uh, published in the Lancet that anxiety is increased by 25%. So what you're describing is what most people are feeling. Um, and I felt that coming out of this time, we just needed more hope. We needed ways to move move our lives forward, given what everyone endured, but find ways that are literally in our own kitchen, in our own home, in our garden, in our supermarket, our farmer's market, to really help help that anxiety because everyone has some version of it. And um, that was the purpose of the book. So I walk people through the science behind it. It's kind of three sections. First, the problem and the science behind it, then a protocol, and then sort of the, me- the menus and the food lists and how you can really you know, from an anti-anxiety shopping list to walking through the recipes and a protocol that you can follow. It's it's meant to help you be and be a guide that you can use at home uh, while perhaps waiting to see a doctor or working along with the doctor as well. I love it. I'm so excited to see it. So let's get into, um, you know, well, I, I also think it's interesting and it's important, you know, because I'm an internist. So yeah. um, to understand the importance yeah. of anxiety from a head to toe standpoint, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and stress and, uh, you know, hypothalamic pituitary, you know, that yeah, yeah. we don't want to get too doctorish, but yeah. the, the adverse impact on things beyond your brain. I yes. mean, we know with the heart and, and the inflammation that may be associated with it yeah. and insulin resistance as a result of it. Right. So accumulation of belly fat mm-hmm. and prediabetes, all these things. And, and that's another thing that gets worse during menopause. Yay. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, so I, I, I think that's critically important for yes. overall health. Yes. Calming your mind has huge potential for health optimization, which is kind of... I love that you said that. And I love that you said that because I was thinking even about sleep and how when our sleep is thrown off, could be menopause, it could be pandemic. You know, there's this 
term called Corona Somnia because so many of us were struggling with sleep during the pandemic. Um, and uh, even that can throw up our hunger hormones, can throw off our appetite, can throw off our metabolism. So even though you may think, oh, well, you know, I just need to sleep better, it, it may be affecting us. You don't necessarily associate sleep with your health in that way, but people are becoming much more aware of how important that is. And I definitely find that um, when people have a work to lower the anxiety, there's a way in which the sleep naturally follows. I think it's almost a, a way that we're calming down our hormone systems, our stress, our cortisol, and all of that, that things start to almost fall into place a little bit. It just takes time. Yeah. That's something that I haven't committed to yet, but I'm going to uh, try. I'm going to commit to try, not to yes. do it. So let's get right in to like some of the nutrients. Yes. Uh, you know, give us a little tease. I'm going to throw in a few of my yes. my yes. thoughts yes. and yes. you yes. could yes. we could have a rapid fire, true okay. or false. No, okay. but so what are some of the nutrients or even types of food? I know I'm I know, especially with your background that. Thankfully, I'm sure herbs and spices play yes. a huge role. Herbs and spices so do play. Give a, yeah, and you probably are even more gifted at telling people how to use them. For me, it's like, just put some oregano in your eggs in the morning. And that's all I got, people. But, but um, still, this still could be very, it's very tasty. So um, are there specific herbs and spices that yes. are especially beneficial for anxiety? So, you know, one of, so I'll start with one that's a supplement, but it actually has a lot of good um, evidence. Uh, it's been used in Ayurvedic medicine for a long time. It actually has a good number of trials supporting anxiety. Um, and this is ashwagandha. So I'm not against supplements. I think there's a real place for them because we, none of us eats a perfect diet, but lots of the herbs and spices trimmed with a pinch of black pepper, hugely helpful for anxiety. Adding a quarter teaspoon with a pinch of black pepper to tea is super smoothie every day. Just incorporating that is super helpful. Capsaicin from chili peppers mint and it, even a mint tea can be both uplifting and calming um, can help focus and energy um, passion flower tea lavender tea um, but also things like oregano um, parsley thyme mexican mexican oregano oregano uh, parsley thyme even sweet um, pe uh, and colored peppers these actually have luteolin that can help to lift brain fog so these are many different bioactives that are helping us along. But I have a, I have a quick teaser mnemonic to share with you. It's called, it's CALMS. And C is for three things, choline, chocolate, extra dark chocolate, um, and vitamin C, all, all of which work in different ways to calm the mind and help you um, sort of just start starting to incorporate these, you hitting the high points for foods that really are targeting anxiety. Um, I didn't realize vitamin C was involved. That's interesting because choline I talk a lot about yes. with Ahara because, yes. and right. just so people know, choline is in eggs and yes. a lot of other things. If you're a, a vegetarian, things, it's yeah. in soybeans That's and right. that it's sort of legumes. thing. That's right. Cauliflower, broccoli, there's a lot, wheat yes. germ. Yes. There's a lot of different yes. foods, even if you don't eat meat or right. eggs. Have to be eggs. So, yeah. but choline is a great one, but I didn't realize C. Is that just yes. because it's an antioxidant or is there some other mechanism? So it's a couple of things. So it's an antioxidant, but the most, re most important reason I, I added it in is because there's a lot of good data around extra dark chocolate, the cacao flavonols. There are studies of extra dark chocolate and mood. Um, which shows significant improvement. Um, we know that extra dark chocolate actually has, um, is made through a ferment fermented process. It has things like serotonin and magnesium. It also has 
the largest source of plant-based iron. And many people, it turns out, especially women and young children are deficient in iron. We don't realize it. My my theory is that our diets are just not ideal. The mm-hmm. standard American diet is not ideal. But in children, a low iron can lead to higher levels of anxiety. And often we're probably not looking for it. Interesting. But the interesting thing is that with plant-based sources of iron, you need the vitamin C for absorption. I see. So it's one of the ways to not only have your vitamin C for all the biochemical reactions that's needed and the antioxidant properties, but we know people always want something that's a little bit more on the side of dessert. And I want to encourage people towards, you know, from, from cooking, that we'll often pay extra dark chocolate. I learned this in culinary school with citrus hmm. and a piece of orange. And I thought they were crazy when they taught me that, but it tastes delicious. Really? I know. I don't like mixing fruit with chocolate, but maybe I'll just, I'll have an orange on the side and just <laughs> exactly. not together. No, no, not, not just mixing it. You can, um, you know, you can have a piece of actually dark, cho- extra dark chocolate. I love to have like a clementine on the side. Hmm. So I don't mix them together, but the fact that they're eaten together makes that helpful. And for me, that's like a, a really cool little um, snack that I can have. That's yeah, that's a good one. Uh, then let's go on to the A is... Wait, and for people who don't eat chocolate, the three of you listening who don't eat chocolate, <laughs> you can do it plant-based with spinach and like uh, citrus or yes. tomato, an acid. You need an acid to absorb. So <laughs> for the three people that don't eat chocolate, we've got to, you know, give them there. Good, good, good. Exactly. There are a few. And then A is for, um, for antioxidants. We know that those, we talk about the different color plant foods but you know it's the antioxidants and the polyphenols that we're looking for. L, believe it or not, is for um, liquid, so it's for hydration. Hmm. And the reason is that um, many people don't realize that dehydration can make them feel more anxious. And dehydration is also in research associated with a low mood. So just making sure that you're hydrated, have a sustainable water bottle with you, be sipping all day long, is just have have decaffeinated tea. That that in my book counts as well. is is very important to keeping yourself calm. And research actually shows that dehydration in school age children can actually impair their performance in school. I've read that as well. So not just anxiety, but you know, brain sharpness and and acuity, which is important, especially as we age too. <laughs> it, it's super it's super important. But you know, another thing that uh, if, if kids are drinking juice boxes and the kinds of things that they tend to have in school. Um, it, it's not enough wa- actual water. So you're absolutely right. They, they may be getting a lot of sugar and other other nutrients, but not necessarily the water they need. Um, M is for more omegas, you know, because we know those omega-3 fats are really important for our brain. They help anxiety. They help mood. Um, and then S is for the spices and herbs. So it's just a quick, it's not the whole comprehensive list, but it's a teaser to get you started. So you have some things to choose in the supermarket to remember, and then you build upon that sort of anti-anxiety shopping list. And I love it because there's so much overlap. So, I mean, you know, well, first of all, I'm glad you said omegas because those are some of my favorites. And it's I do a lot of, you know, testing for that to actually make sure that people are at therapeutic levels. Because, I mean, yes, fish are the best sources, fatty Mm -hmm. fish, Mm -hmm. the plant based aren't converted as much. Yes. And I think most people think they're getting enough, but many probably aren't. So that's usually a good place to start for me. But then I love what I love about the herbs and spices is that 
They are loaded with polyphenols and they actually act as prebiotics supporting a healthy gut biome. So there's all this synergy. And the other thing, uh, dark chocolate is a good source of magnesium, which I was going to ask you about. I thought I thought the M was going to be magnesium, but (laughs) I was wrong. So there you go. Sometimes sometimes I I play around with the comms mnemonic because I'm speaking to different people. I want people to remember different because this magnesium is just as important to be honest. Uh, so many Americans are deficient in magnesium and having it in a simple source like avocados gives you your healthy fat plus fiber and some good source of magnesium. And uh, magnesium helps sleep. It helps calm the mind. So it's definitely, definitely an important one. Yeah, no, that's what that's one of my, you know what my favorite source of magnesium Tell is? Me. Pumpkin seeds, yes. pizzas, yes. like I, when I, first of all, I love them. And then when I realized they were the, one of the top sources of of magnesium, I was like, this is, it's perfect. And they're a great snack. They're very filling. Um, so many good things. And again, fiber, it's for the gut, healthy fat for, you know, satiety. And also the other thing that people don't realize is just that, that, and this is why, and by the way, I believe in supplements as well. Yeah. But not along with the health to complement a healthy diet, not yes. to replace it. Not to replace so it. So because there's there's synergistic nutrients in food that I think we can never fully get to with a supplement. But I, I love ashwagandha. That's in one of the products that my company has, just because I feel like we are like stressed out nation with yes. the the phones, you feel like you have to respond to texts and emails yeah. so quickly, you know, we're being pulled in so many mm. different directions. Plus, you know, getting out of a pandemic into mm. in LA, the stress, I mean, there's just yeah. so, there's so much, much people are facing. stress. So I'm so glad. So what are, well, first of all, let's talk briefly about the, um, the, I assume the lifestyle component, they can't, do you talk yes. about that in I, the book I as do. well? Just I do. And thank you for asking that because even though for me, nutrition is a major lifestyle pillar of just improving um, not only mental well-being, but also physical well-being follows that. I think it's so critical to understand that it's part of a system. It's holistic and integrated, very much the way that you think as well, because we've spoken before. So people learning a breathwork exercise, when they are not feeling anxious, hugely important. A research study in 2020 looked at pranayama yoga, which is breathwork yoga in cardiovascular disease, but secondarily found that it improved depression and anxiety. So just having someone learn a breathwork technique you can Google this on YouTube. You can learn something that works for you. Very important hydration we've mentioned. Um, exercise, getting, you know, just getting out, getting moving. Um, outdoor time. So spending 10 minutes um, in outdoor, you know, in some daylight will give you 80% of your vitamin D. We know that vitamin D, if it's low, is associated with more depression and anxiety. Really? So getting that in okay. is important. After 10 minutes, I say to people, put on your sunscreen or your sunblock, but at least get allow that, you know, those rays to reach your skin and it can't be through a window. It doesn't work. And what, where you live in Boston during the winter, the, you're yeah. not going to get. We're that's the thing. Get it. So we yeah. do, you know, I do. That's one of my passions is kind of really fine tuning vitamin D dosing because so many things affect Mm -hmm. it, your weight, your skin tone, where you live, other, so I think it's, you know, but that's, I didn't realize it was associated with anxiety and depression, low levels. Low levels associated with both anxiety and depression. So it's an important supplement in the Northeast that I always look to see what the levels are because someone could actually benefit 
from supplementing that. But again, it's this holistic approach. It's movement, it's exercise. It's, you know, something called shirin-yoku or forest bathing, which is just spending time in nature. For people who live in the city, it may be just spending time amongst the trees in their local park. For, for people who have access to the outdoors and to, you know, um, more of a natural environment, by all means, you know, go for it, enjoy it. But all of these things synergistically work to to calm our mind. But the other thing I talked about in my book is also leaning into some of the work done from the Power Nine in the Blue Zones, which is a sense of tribe, a sense of community, eating in community, mindful practice, um, having your tribe. You know, they talk about some very important principles that I think sometimes we forget. And if you happen to be living alone or you're single, that doesn't mean you can't have, you know, a, a, in the way the pandemic taught us that, get on to Zoom and talk to a family member right. or a friend. Or get so your that, pod together. Or get your pod, exactly. Yeah. Get your your little group together and have your friends giving or your, you know, your, your Saturday lunches or whatever it is. But it's a way of forming your own tribe. And that becomes really important to support our mental well-being. And I think, first of all, I mean, I, I read as that, you know, loneliness is really reaching its own epidemic uh, status in this country. And I feel like different from how we used to be, we're more likely to move far away from our families so that there's not a lot of direct family. So you really do have to seek out your own tribe. You you do, because many of us have moved away. And we may have maybe a relative or cousin, but often it's forming your own, your own friends and community. And I think there's, that, that's just great because then you have more people. Yeah. Uh, no, I, yourself. I love it. Except for when the friends become stressful and then, <laughs> then the whole thing backfires. But no, I, that's, uh, as, as, as this family. So, yes, so exactly, well, yeah. Well, yeah. That's true. That's true. Good point. So we don't have too much time left. I want to know, I want to know two things. First of all, I want to know, what are, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but like, what are some must haves on your shopping list? Like food, yeah. like, yeah. and, and first of all, you made a comment earlier, like, you know, cooking and I'm like, no, actually I don't know cooking. So if yeah. you could dumb yeah. it down for us, like, yeah. are there, are there some basic things that yeah. we should stock our kitchen with that are easy to cook with that are really good yeah. for the mind? Like what, what would be right. top five? Okay, so let's just go, let's just think about a nutritional psychiatry plate for calming your mind. Great. Let's think, let's think in groups. So the one side I want you to have really filled with colorful vegetables. So you pick when you go to the supermarket, multiple colors, multiple textures, but part of that I want to be your leafy greens. Um, and all the, the greener the better because low uh, vitamin B, B9 or folate is associated with low mood. So pack those in, add the colors. Another staple for me um, from the supermarket are things like the healthy fats. So I'm either going to get olive, um, you know, extra virgin olive oil, um, buy avocados, um, especially if they're ripe on season, because I live in the Northeast. So yeah, different quality. Pickens are slim. Exactly. And um, or, you know, making sure I always have avocado oil on hand. So that's the healthy fats. Then for um, for and nuts and seeds. And nuts and seeds, for nuts the and seeds fats, for yeah. the healthy fats. And then for my proteins, depending on what you eat, for me, it's often, you know, some form of tofu or beans, legumes, lentils, all uh, with, you know, complex carbohydrate sources of protein. It could be chicken. It could be, you know, 
the wild caught salmon. It could be, um, you know, a healthy cut of beef, whatever it is that's your source. It could be eggs, your source of protein. And then uh, grains. Grains are not a huge part of it. They simply are very important for your gut. I want people to think out of the box about their grains. I want them to think about quinoa. I want them to think about barley, not just the ones we usually go to. Um, so just experiment a little bit and expand your, your vision of that. So for me, and, and the thing I always buy are spices. So I'm always restocking spices and herbs. Um, but thinking about that plate, it's, I think about it in groups. What do I need to fill in the gaps? And remember, like things like beans, legumes, lentils, canned salmon, canned oysters, canned mussels can be great sources of omega 3s great sources of plant-based um, protein. So absolutely. And fiber and magnesium in beans and B12 in salmon and choline. I mean, it's they, they're all rich. That's they're why it's so great. You've got to eat food, people. It's food first. That's what, uh, yeah. So I'm so excited about your new book. Thank you. Again, well, by if you're listening to this after December 26, 2023, it's not going to be new anymore, but that's when the book comes out. Where can they learn more about you? Where can they follow you? Where can they learn everything about uh, all the wisdom that you've shared with us today? Thanks so much, Melina. So you can find me at umanaidumd.com. You can sign up for my weekly newsletter where I discuss a different food each week with the science and, and ideas for you to use it. You can also purchase the book right off my website or go to your local um, local bookstore or online. Um, it's available where books are sold. It's called Calm Your Mind with Food, available for pre-order now, coming out December 26th of 2023. And follow me on social media, which is at D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O where we're always really trying to share educational information. Yeah, I love I love your Instagram. I, you. I really enjoy it. So, all right, one last thing I ask all my guests because the podcast is Practically Healthy by Dr. Molina. Yeah. What's your one, what's advice? You've got to share with us advice yeah. and then your best practical tip for being healthy. So, um, so you know, I can't really, if, if, if I buy potato chips, uh, they, they're going to disappear. <laughs> I'm not going to say who's eating that. So it's just that salty snack. There's something about that. And I know it's, you know, obviously not healthy, but I've learned over time to use an air fryer. And so I'll make zucchini fries, I'll make um, carrot fries, um, lots of different crunchy snacks that are healthy, but they also give me my vegetables without the deep frying of something or processed snack. Um, I also make uh, spinach or kale chips in the oven, okay. crisp them up. And so that's my go-to. Um, and, and, you know, th- this is something I, I can't put in my suit. So that's your practically healthy tip healthy is your air fryer and then your yeah. vice. I love Perfect. it. All in one. You answered two <laughs> questions in one. Brilliant. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. And again, I'm so excited by about this book and I'm really going to, I mean, obviously as somebody who thinks a lot about nutrition, uh, I think there's even more that I can learn. So I'm really excited to, to, and I'll try to do some of the breath work and other things. Although, I don't know, I do better with exercise, but that maybe worsens my anxiety if it's too intense. But I think- A lot of people actually use exercise to kind of get rid of the angst they're feeling. So I think it's a great way to go. I think we each have to find what works. Yeah. You know, Um, I find some people can exercise- Others can't can't do breath work or one or the other. Right. But it's finding your path. I love it. All right. Thank you again. Thank I hope you, you so much. You have to come back when the next book comes out. Uh, thank you. I will. 
I really hope that you found the information in this podcast helpful. I know I did, and I welcome your feedback because I'm doing this for you. So if there's topics that you want to learn about, something that you want to learn more about, if there's something that you want to explain further that I've talked about, please let me know. Comment on my Instagram page, send me an email, melina at drmelina.com, and definitely hit that subscribe button because I'm going to have great new content every single week and I don't want you to miss an episode. That's it for now. Stay practically healthy.